Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our concepts edition for the week. I am Devin Bedoni from Lycan Precision. And I'm Uriel Eisen from Austere Manufacturing. And we have a quote for you. We do. This is my favorite question to ask. Um, so you get like really good feedback and advice. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, if you want, if you want advice, ask for money. And if you want money, ask for advice. And I uh, mentioned it to a friend and he was like, wow, that's a great quote. Mm-hmm. Um, unknown source, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and so I thought I'd share it on the podcast. Uh, but basically what I find is that if you're talking to an advisor, like someone or, you know, someone you respect. Yeah. And you're kind of like, everyone sort of wants to be nice mm-hmm. until you ask them for money. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell you what you, they think really. Yeah. And so I had a call with a, um, an advisor of mine and, you know, it was super helpful how to move forward and decisions to be made. But like if you're trying to suss out sort of the fundamental flaws in your business or not necessarily flaws, but like the sure. real crux to, to solve for. Yeah. I find like just saying like, hey, if I asked you to put in, you know, $250,000 to this business, you know, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> like what are your big question marks around that? And yeah. I just find the conversations are like much more substantive. Interesting. Uh, so I've always understood that part when you've told me about this in the past. I haven't quite understood the second half of it as mm. much. If you want money, ask for advice. Like how does that play out? Or is it really um, just like No, no. I, I think that comment. works too. I think it works too because um if you're well, let's see. I mean, I've done it. I shouldn't say I've done it. I mm. should do it. What I will say <laughs> is it has happened to me where asking someone's advice and describing sort of your company mm. it, and then sort of saying like, here are the things we're struggling with, especially if those things are funding related, mm. then they might be like, are you guys looking for Hmm. money i think we exist you know? we've existed in different circles <laughs> yeah i mean you're right if you're talking to someone who ha- who invests yeah, yeah. in things I think yeah, that, you're gonna that's have better, their game yeah other otherwise if you like ask your neighbor for advice i'm not sure they're gonna yeah. offer you money <laughs> um but write in if that works yeah interesting yeah uh i like it y'all should try it or something maybe i should try it yeah, it's pretty good. It works pretty much with anyone. I don't really want their money, actually. But No, so ask them for money. Yeah. Yeah, and then you'll get <laughs> advice, and you'll hear people's big concerns with your business. Mm-hmm. And those aren't necessarily the correct concerns because they're not necessarily knowledgeable. But if they are knowledgeable, they're probably pretty accurate. And if sure. they're not knowledgeable, it's a good way to hone your uh, pitch, I think. Yeah, or also your like how you present. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess yeah. that is your pitch. But, yeah, what what carries through to the general public of yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Like my favorite way to figure out like copy for websites and product descriptions, descriptions, not that I'm like a master at it by any means, but mm. it's sort of like if you tell a friend about the product and then you're around when they tell someone else about the product, the things they say are like the things that really mm. stuck with them. Yeah. And I find that that is very illuminating whether it's something you need to edit so you clarify something because they're getting it wrong. Sure. Or it's just like, oh, those are the pieces that are exciting to them. Um, yeah. Interesting. And then last bit of uh, startup um, 
No. <laughs> put, put stickers on things. Put your logo on stuff. Oh, yeah. Then people think it's a product somehow. Having said that, our logo, uh, well, <laughs> just got on the thing. But the difference there is it was purchasable from day one. Right. It wasn't something we were sort of trying to get feedback on, but wasn't released to the market. Trying to fake as purchasable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I guess is actually similar advice is like ask for money. Like unless you're asking a customer for money, Mm -hmm. you are not going to get good feedback Mm. because they're trying to be nice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. People are always going to be courteous and try and like, until you're like, so do you want to buy this for $300? And they're like, no, I do not (laughs) (laughs) because of these reasons. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Or yes, I do. And then you have to raise your prices. No. Uh Um, (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, whoops, I'm in the wrong section. Um, we got a lot to talk about today, apparently. We really do. Uh, we should have figured out what we were going to talk about beforehand. We've been, in my shop, we've been on an A3 kick. Yes, I've been enjoying watching that. Yeah. Um, turns out it's not that hard. All you need is some space. (laughs) Like... I, that's funny. I had a very different experience. Uh, I thought it was very hard <laughs> because it is a different way of thinking mm. and it was hard to do it methodically and carefully every step of the way and not just go like, yes, yes, we know the current condition. Yes, yes, we know the, yeah. but like really think deeply about each step. That part is certainly hard and will continue to be hard, uh-huh. I think. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess starting <clears throat> is not as hard as maybe I thought. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I, I, as I've said, said many times now, I just found the breakdown in Toyota Kata to make it so much more approachable. Interesting. Um, actually on that note, one second. Yeah. I took a photo of a page last night cause I oh, didn't awesome. want to, uh, um, to write this whole thing out. Oh my God. Taking longer than I hoped. Um, basically like the gist of the entire book and it, he basically states it it's oh. like in one paragraph all right he's basically what does he say um uh, figure 621 is a summary of toyota's approach for moving toward a target condition and is perhaps the most useful information in this book now that you know what they mean <laughs> but i think everybody listening has probably at least had some context at this point but it's basically, and it's really funny, like many things so far, very simple mm-hmm. in principle, <laughs> right? complex in application. One, what is the target condition or challenge? Two, what is the actual condition now? Three, what obstacles are now preventing you from reaching the target condition? And which one are you addressing now? Four, what is your next set step? Start of PDCA cycle. And five, when can we go and see what we have learned from taking that step? And it's, yeah. that is, again, that's awesome. Very approachable. Like it's a lot of work. But it's, it's approachable. approachable. Um, it's funny. That's uh, gratifying to hear because I, uh, when I was working with startups, gave a presentation at a bunch of like accelerators about how to prototype. Yeah. And it is very much, basically, the whole presentation is about building prototypes to test a specific idea and like the question is like what are you trying to learn Mm -hmm. and then what is the fastest cheapest way of learning that thing yeah and that's it 
Yeah. Because people, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but yeah. 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 I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, well, this actually kind of what you just <clears throat> said goes straight into this, this point I had about an Instagram post I made. Okay. Um, so in the interest of like continuous improvement, a th- or, uh, you know, a, uh, three essing in the mornings, mm-hmm. um, we've had kind of a constant mess behind our machines where we shovel our chips out. Cause basically like there's the chip bin where the stuff comes out of the machine. Um, and then we have a garbage can on like a spill containment pallet mm-hmm. to drain the coolant out of the chips as we shovel them. Yep. There's about a foot and a half gap between the two. <laughs> yep. Just because quite familiar. Yeah. Yeah. You're aware. Uh, so like, but this could apply to anything. This could be sawdust. This could be, whatever between your dishes between your sink and where you you right dry your put your just dishes to dry um so we've come up with some like very half-baked ways to to deal with all the coolant um but inevitably when you're shoveling no matter how careful you are some chips fall off the shovel yep so the other day i was like huh i wonder i'm just gonna take a sheet pan and like lean it Hmm. against the chip bin on one side and the the garbage can on the other side so that as you're shoveling if they fall off they hit the the they go back to the chip. Yeah. yeah. Um and I literally just leaned it there for the first day and then the next day I like screwed a piece of angle to the bottom so it couldn't fall down. Okay. So it was like held well at the bottom end. And then I was staring at it and I was like, huh, if this was at a different angle, we could put chips into there to let them drain. Okay. And then eventually transfer once they'd had some time to drain yep. and, they, and drain back into the into the machine uh-huh. versus into this containment spill containment thing. Then we just put them into wherever they're going to end up eventually, and no extra handling, no dumping of the coolant, mm-hmm. and mitigates the mess. So anyway, where this is all going—that's getting a little bit into the weeds. I made a post about how we were doing a very simple test where I got a a trial bin to set on that sheet pan Mm -hmm. i literally got a second trial bin which i like put on its end to hold the end of the sheet pan like costs like 10 bucks basically and like three minutes of time to test out this theory made a post about it like what we were dealing with how this was like a quick and simple way we can test this new concept and got like a ton of engagement on instagram that was like all like 100 percent solutions based all cost money, like significant portions, <laughs> all only addressed half of the problem, uh-huh. which was basically a lot of people being like, I use a pump or I have this thing drain into this other thing. And then I dump the thing back in. I'm like, right. those are all great solutions for you and your application. Everybody missed the fact that this is also to keep chips from falling on the floor uh-huh. and ideally to minimize handling. Right. And it was just interesting to note how... Yeah, just how solutions-based oriented we are and how quick we, like, again, as Mm -hmm. we've said many times, gloss over the entirety of the current condition and the entirety of the target condition. Right. Which is like, yes, if I want to purely deal with coolant and getting it back into the machine, there are a myriad of ways to handle that. Right. Some of them likely involve a pump. (laughs) Right. Uh-huh. Or, you know, something to yep. that, to that effect. 
but I was like, we're trying to tackle a few different things at once here and build one part of a larger process that will be a larger chip management strategy. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to test this small piece cheaply and without much time. Yeah. That's the point. Like, yes, this is not like the end all be all solution. Right. And I think no, no critique to anybody who responded. I very much appreciated all the response and it was fun to see people's different ways of dealing with yeah, it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, it was just very, yeah, continuously illuminating. Well, I, I, I think, yeah, I think that's why it's so hard. And every time I think there's a built-in assumption that is largely correct for yeah. a lot of people whose jobs are sort of around problem solving, which are th- their intuition is pretty good. Yeah. About like what is the target condition and what is the current state. Even but, very good in many cases. Yeah. I would say more on the, I don't know. I, th- I'm guessing it has more to do with the, with solving very limited in scope problems. What I've found every time we've done an A3 is that the problem we thought we were solving is not really correct. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's sort of correct, but it is m- like, m- you know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think. It's often solving a, oh, it's like our tumbler, right? We were trying to enhance yeah. the speed of tumbling. Or actually, before that, we were trying to speed up the process of picking parts out of a tumbler. Yeah. And we failed to sit, sit, you know, step back and say, like, well, why do we have to pick them out? Because we need them and not the stones. Well, why are, like, why are they in there to begin with? <laughs> because we have to tumble. Why do we have to tumble? Because they have burrs. Yeah. What are other ways of getting rid of burrs? Well, machining and sandblasting, both of which we already do. And so I think that's sort of um, the really, the interesting part to me is like, I am, I think, you know, not to toot my own horn, very good at like, hey, we want to make a cart to hold a bin here so that we can shovel chips more easily. Yeah. Great. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And have made a career of that but it's actually not the thing you need. Like the real value is in, wait a second, what are the problems we're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. Right. And coming up with like a really good target condition. Yeah. And then actually taking these baby steps toward that, that costs very little money. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Not to harp on this too much, but it was like, you know, a handful of different people were were like, cause I was like talking about chips and coolant on the floor. A bunch of people were like, that's what the Freddy is for. I'm like, Yes. That's to fix a problem once it exists. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if it never leaves the machine. Right. Then it's not a thing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, I don't think you're going to have a CNC shop where you don't want a way of cleaning things up when bad things happen. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Why, why take the time to wheel it over there and clean up after making a mess? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't, uh, related a on the topic of a three. Hmm. Um, I used it for writing a patent application, which cool. was very interesting and super useful because when you're m- making a patent, the goal is to figure out the root cause of a problem that a consumer um, experiences. Uh-huh. And then you're trying to patent your solution to that root cause. And if mm. you miss the root cause and you pat you, you, patent one level up from there there's maybe a different way to solve the root cause Mm. and then a competitor can still do that because you've patented the wrong thing sure 
and I, it's very interesting. So I've been designing this buckle for two years, right? And then I did this uh, this week, and I had like a major insight <laughs> into like <laughs> what the buckle is actually doing, mm. which was pretty cool um, because I was basically struggling with like I was sitting down to write this patent and was trying to bake make sure that it was fairly, you know, not wide in scope but properly protected the thing yeah. that delivers value to the customer. Sure. And it was very hard, and I found myself writing all these lists of all the aspects that could be used to deliver that value. And then I realized, like, fundamentally, what am I doing here mm-hmm. that makes this buckle different? Um, anyway, so that was kind of fun to see. Yeah. Slightly different application, but same. Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Five little lines on a piece of paper, and then you actually <laughs> go through and take the time to fill them out. And it's... Yeah pretty awesome so we had a cool one too um yeah it's been doing the so i put up a dedicated a3 yeah whiteboard in our break room that's very cool and we have uh this is sort of an aside but um it's it's yeah people are so interesting and how we like orient towards space and anyway we used to do our meetings next to our job board okay in the production space yeah we're now doing our meetings in our break room which doesn't have any schedule Mm. information in it okay and the contents of our meetings has completely changed fascinating in a positive way i think so huh yeah like we can always strategic yeah we can always go over the day's activities but like now we're talking about more strategic kind of big picture things interesting that's sort of an aside. Um, but <clears throat> I'm finding that doing the A3 process is stimulating a lot of conversation aside from the direct contents of the A3. Okay. Like contextual stuff, um, you know, contextual background to where this thinking comes from, like how we're applying, where where, oh, cool. where we're going. Um, anyway, so it's been really fun to watch the crew... Uh, wrap their heads around this type of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did one around our shipping station and uh, it was fun. So Ariel kind of led led the charge on that one because that's kind of her station right now. Okay. And it was just cool, like you were talking about, of like your Tumblr thing of being like, we think we need to do this, but in the end it turned out we could just eliminate or you know, the actual answer was very much to the to the side of where we thought it would be Yep. in doing this process, it became very clear that like most of the issues with this shipping station, like clog and like lack of flow was just because we had a an unnecessary constraint where our, we had one computer that handled all the shipping stuff and also handled the laser marker. (laughs) And so there's this like funny, like physical constraint of like, the computer needs to be here to be close enough to the laser marker, oh. but it also needs to be in this spot. To right. Be, yeah. Whatever details, not super important. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we realized that we we're like, okay, so if that's the end goal to get another computer, now we can set up an intermediate test before we get another computer Oh, nice! with our ideal. And we haven't actually done the physical layout yet because mm-hmm. this was Friday and we were busy. Um, now we can do a physical test 
to see if that potential layout will work with a computer in an intermediate station, an mm-hmm. intermediate position. And if it's good, we'll buy a second computer. That's smart. Um, and I don't know if we would have really gotten there. Otherwise, I think we would have been really, really focused in on like racking for packing materials and like this right. other stuff and like kind of taking it for granted that like we were going to stick with the, the computer layout as is. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being like, what are our root causes? Oh, this is clearly not the only root cause, but a significant one that's very, e- that's like an easy mitigation. So, thing. what was your target condition? Or did you come remember. up with one? Yeah. I took a, f- I took a photo. Oh, uh, it was not one thing, you know, we're trying, you know, we're very much learning how to do this. Uh, yes. Uh, see maybe i didn't take a photo of that one i can go through an interesting target condition that i just read about from toyota yeah well was just to finish the thought yeah. we're still working on how to make them quantifiable and that was one thing after that one that we kind of came back to was like uh-huh how do we turn this into a quantifiable thing so that we can compare after yeah you know the fifth step which is like when can we go and see yeah it's hard to do that if you have nothing to measure right um, but I think as we do this, we'll get better at sort of adding in that piece. Totally. And also I don't think we're going to go the wrong direction through these, right. you know, a hundred percent working through this process. Uh, I think we'll just get better at it and quantifying will make it more effective. Yeah. I will say the few we've done and obviously I am by no means, <laughs> Yeah, I would say neither of us. I think both of us are sort of at the beginning of figuring this out. Oh my god, such baby um, stuff! Which like is crawling, exciting. Uh, but the step of just trying to make it quantifiable yeah. has every time been pretty interesting. We're like, huh? Like, what are we measuring here? Is yeah. it throughput? Is it like human time? Is it like what are the things? And that just that step of like trying to think that through has really been quite useful. Mm. Um. Yeah, but to get a little meta here, I think all of this is a it is a mistake to look at the things that Toyota does and be like that's how we have to do it. Yeah. Right, you can take baby steps of like filling out an A3 poorly. Yeah. <laughs> Not really sweating the fact that the, your target condition isn't measurable. Like we'll get there, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, as you said, like there's we're not moving in the wrong direction by starting to really essentially um, apply like a system and a SOP to problem solving. Mm-hmm. And the the beauty of the SOP is that it gets updated Yeah, because you're doing it a particular way. Then you go, wait a second, we can update how we do this yeah. activity. And so we are the beneficiaries of Toyota doing that process for yeah. a bunch of years. And so it's helpful to take their tools, but I think it's really also very daunting. Yeah. To try to implement them all at once. Yeah. To answer your question, my recollection was that the target condition was um, like to have a clear flow from packing step from the through the different steps of packing. So does a clear flow mean that nothing, there's no whip or what do you mean by a clear flow? Uh, we were trying to like mitigating walking back and forth. Uh huh. Um, oh, that's funny. I have a similar story here. Yeah. Yeah. So that things progress in an obvious 
so spatially sequence. somewhat yeah. linear or yeah. yes i mean it, we did end up being like this will be a u now instead of a line uh-huh that's better um but i think that was kind of the crux of it and then having uh we were try- sort of quantifying having um, separate spaces for packing parts, for wrapping parts, as well as, uh, how do I say this properly? Having two distinct spaces, one for wrapping parts, one for placing parts in a box and measuring them and weighing the box. Mm. Because trying to do that all in the same space doesn't work, turns out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I would... Well, does it definitely not work? Uh, not with the size of spaces that we have. And because they're too big or too small? Uh, because often the, they're too small. Like yeah. what if the tabletop was a scale? Would that change anything? Um, you still need a place to... St- the conclusion was that you need a place to wrap individual parts and then stage those parts prior to them going in a box because oftentimes huh. your assessment... The, what we kind of came to was that if you're packing the same box, the same product every time, then you know it's very easy to know what size box you need. Yeah, when you're packing different size products every time, mm-hmm. oftentimes your initial assessment of how big the finished quantity is going to be is yeah. wrong. Interesting. That feels like something that could be solved. And Maybe. I and I will say this. Every large company seems to, not always successfully, as I'm sure we've all seen on the internet, uh, automate that process. Which part? Of knowing what size box things should go in, mm-hmm. right? With distinct collections of thousands of SKUs. So I feel like it's a similar problem, but I wonder if there's a way. I want, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That feels like a, uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, you'll make a change and then make more changes, but right. Um, or I mean, simple as getting boxes that, you know, those boxes that have a bunch of perforated like lines down the side where you can adjust, you start and then you cut it down Mm -hmm. versus doing over like, like over process. Anyway, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. What was your, you were going to give an yeah. example. So I stuck this in cause I, I was struck by, I was watching some lean tours and someone mentioned BT two, the BT two challenge. I, I don't know like, that. What is that? <laughs> um, so I looked it up. Um, so this is just, I just copied and pasted this in from whatever Google thing I landed on uh-huh. the B two, the, the project began with the general managers of the planning divisions of various company functions serving as members by benchmarking against rival automakers to identify problems and topics that needed addressing. The topics selected as a result were building a system for creating attractive products, reforming the product decision-making process, strengthening competitiveness of in-house production, and reform of fixed costs. The BT2 initiative was positioned as a key project for achieving company policy. This was in a particular company or this was like, this was at Toyota. Okay. Gotcha. So this was a big initiative that they kicked off. And I just thought it was really interesting looking at the things they pulled out. Mm. Um, And I, what was most striking to me about this is that you really need 
broad you need to take the time to step back and think hard about target conditions Mm -hmm. because it's so easy for everything to become just the way we do things everything from the way we sweep our shop to like how we develop products and it's so easy for those to just sort of fall into the background of becoming like well that's just how they're done like i don't like you don't even think about it it's like uh you know fish don't see the the water they're swimming in yeah that's what it feels like with all of these systems that slowly develop you it's hard to step back and go like okay let's totally revamp how like strengthen competitiveness of in-house production Mm -hmm. right that sort of starts a new like breathes new life into like looking around the company and going like all right we've gotten here here is awesome (laughs) where are we going next (laughs) right like let's keep pushing this process to get even better yeah um instead of just like stopping where we are yeah i will say watching the um so prusa launched their do you remember? I was just watching this. Uh, they launched their big 3D printer. I forget what it was called. Like the, the XL tool. or whatever. Yeah, and had the tool changer and all this stuff. That was like, wow, that is awesome. I want one of those, right? Uh-huh. And that was after years of not releasing a new product. And then yeah. Bamboo came along and kind of... Blew them out of the water? A little. And I definitely made me think hard about... I mean, I'm in no way the size of either one of those companies. Sure. But definitely made me... A pre, you know, you can't take your eyes off the prize in terms of, like, pushing yourself Yeah. across the board. Whether that's, like, driving your costs down. Because someone else is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So someone else is. And they might be venture-backed. Um, sure. <laughs> so, like, you really... And that has pros and cons. So, sure. I think it's not to say they have an advantage and you don't. Like, I think we all... Like, if you're doing it day in, day out, you have a lot of lessons they don't have. Yep. So, you know. Anyway, uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Um, One of the discussions that kind of came out of one of these A3 round tables i guess we'll call it um was which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast was like we inherently produce batches yep but i don't think we'd ever as a group in the shop had the discussion like the nitty-gritty of like why even if we ship (coughs) batches uh one piece flow has time benefits and and going through the math of that of being like okay so if we fun batch sawing machining uh-huh. tumbling and packing this is what our time will be if we we assign some end. random numbers right. end to end yep. from uh, receiving material mm-hmm. to shipping a batch if we in theory were to one piece flow each of those things through the entire thing this is what our time would be and it was like i saw some light bulbs yeah you know it's that's very cool it's a simple thing is kind of funny that we hadn't gone over it yet. That's sort of like the defining the current state, right? Like, you, yeah, like actually doing it, not being like, yes, yes, yes. We understand. It's like, no, yeah, what is it? Right. And I think, you know, we as, as, as particularly as Americans, I think like have grown up swimming in the soup of batch production wins all. And thanks like, Henry Ford. <laughs> And like, as we've said, like, um, operation sensitive process blind, yep. like any operator who's paying a lot of attention to what they're doing is like, this is faster. 
I know this is faster. I know this is a lot faster. Yeah. 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 And like, uh, both right. of my people are now three people, but, um, Ariel and Coram who have been working with for a while now are very like sensitive to what they do and they pay a lot of attention and they try and refine what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to tell somebody like, no, do it this other way. And they're like, I know this is faster. Like, what is he this talking guy, about? Yeah. And so, so this was a illuminating. Yes. And it was kind That's of, awesome. a, it was a cool entry point to be like, this is like the bigger picture of like trying to refine this end to end process of like, yeah, getting a- away from batch processing because of this, even though it seems faster and it is faster for that little piece. It's slower in the whole process. Right, right. And here's all the other potential issues. It it's causes. funny. Um, Shigeo Shingo hammers home this point over and over with this horrendous graph. Yeah. That clearly means a lot more to him than to me anyway. Uh-huh. Um, but basically that the difference between process and um, operation, that, that basically operations were for many years thought to be um, the subcomponents of processes. Sure. But that you actually have to look at it as a two-dimensional mesh of like you have flows of processes one way and you have operations the other way. I can repeat what he said in the book. It doesn't really make much sense to me, (laughs) right? But this is the point. Um, I believe that, that if you think about a process comprised of all of its operations and you also know from hands-on experience that each one of those operations is faster if you do it in a big batch Mm -hmm. it stands to reason that the whole process is faster if you make a bunch of big batches yeah because every step is faster Mm -hmm. the whole process is made up of small steps even in saying that that's like logically really follows you're like how could it be yeah then (laughs) And there's a lot of things that you that are missing in that initial explanation, but this is exactly the point. It's yeah. like those processes are not comprised of they are and they're not. <laughs> they are in the sense that um, every step needs to happen. They're not in the sense that the timing spatially and temporally, as <laughs> Shigeo Shingo says, um, the timing of those two factors is critical. And so if all of your machines aren't running, then you have more capacity, right? And so actually, like if you have one person at yeah. five, and there's five benches, yeah, doing 100 at step one, 100 at step two, 100 at step three can be faster. Uh-huh. This is heresy. Um, <laughs> can be faster than doing it one at a time. Yeah. There's a few baked in assumptions there. One is you have three distinct tables. So now you have all this transportation between tables. Yeah. Right. So you have a lot of baked in assumptions that are making it faster. It's all waste, but it is faster. But the second you can say, okay, well, we have three people and we have three tables. And if a person A waits an hour to pass a hundred parts to person B, yeah. what's person B doing to yeah. begin with? Right. So like that's sort of where the anyway. Well, and to <coughs> simplify it even more for, for anybody who doesn't already hasn't drunk yeah. the Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we broke it down to very, very simple, not even taking setup times into account yeah. or anything like that. But the basic thing being like if you have three processes and let's say process one takes one minute, process two takes five minutes, process three takes 10 minutes. OK. And we have 100 parts you and you're batching you multiply each one of those, sorry, operations, not processes, operation one, two, and three. 
you multiply each one of those operations by a hundred parts and you add them all up. Mm -hmm. That's your theoretical time to completion. Right. If you have process operation one, two, and three, same times, but it's single piece flow with no delays, no buffers between the three. What you have is the longest cycle time effectively the longest cycle time times the number of parts, right? Which almost always is lower. Yeah. I think always is lower. I can't think of a situation where it's not. Um, I think yeah, there's no way it's not. Yeah. I mean, in reality you have to do like the longest cycle time times the number of parts plus the other two operations or whatever, but it still ends up being significantly shorter. And so for like the super simplistic version like that's a very easy thing to get across and that's where light bulbs start to go off. Um, and clearly in our shop we have actually doing single piece flow is not necessarily practical for many reasons in many of our processes, but it did drive home the like reducing batch size, moving things through in as small a batch size as is effective for us Mm -hmm. and thinking towards the idea of having things throw flow through all processes simultaneously. I would rephrase that slightly, which is that it doesn't make sense for you guys for particular reasons. Sure. Yeah. And those reasons are very real. Yeah. But I only say that because I know for me, it's been very useful to every now and then step back and just go like, what if there was a button on the CNC that produced my part every time I wanted to that part yeah what would be different and then you're like oh that would be different and that would be different and some of those are actually achievable you sort of wrote them off because of this other thing and we went through some of those thought experiments where i was like okay so imagine if we had all of this stock for the saw on a like auto magazine and you could have it spit out whichever part you needed next as soon as you need it yeah like what would that look like and it's like oh yeah that could be cool and then you're like oh we could actually build that pretty simply maybe i mean i'm not saying you will or we already do approximations of that where it's like okay we're gonna set this part up we'll saw two pieces to test it then pull the material out of the way so we can Uh saw this other job because that needs to get going like we don't necessarily have to batch this entire job Right, And we might not want to in case our stock size is off. And we learned that in testing the program, we actually needed a little bit bigger and hard lessons learned. <laughs> um, it is. So it's cool to see that like they're already doing already thinking along those lines to some extent. And it's really just like putting it in context. Yes. Yes. And putting real numbers on it. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah. Well, shit. There's a section in Chijo Shingo's book. I want to say it is, um, a study of the Toyota production system where he goes through reducing your lead times by 500%, yeah. which has happened on a bunch of occasions. And there's uh, batch delays is, I forget, I'm going to get these numbers slightly wrong, but a, your first 80% reduction is in batch delays. Mm. And then the next 80 of the remaining 20 is... Um, and again, don't quote me on the numbers, but it, it amounts to 500% reduction um, is uh, process delays, which is basically non-synchronized proce- uh, yeah. processes where when operations your yeah, sorry, when your bandsaw is done cutting, your mill isn't ready to machine those parts. Mm-hmm. So they need to be synchronized often paradoxically by slowing down the faster machine. Yep. Um, and then the last one I always forget. So <laughs> reason to keep listening. Yeah. The other number that I think just like really drove it home 
and putting it in context was like the 5% value add that most of us see in mm. job shop environments where it's like, wow. Yeah. It's like, and, and being like, okay, so you guys see, we order this material. It often is at least two weeks from when it arrives till we ship a finished part. Okay. You guys run these machines. You know how much time each cycle usually takes. Like you can do that. Matt. What's happening. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Why is it? What's all this sitting around? You know, basically that's not very you, cool. Not y'all, but right. Why is this stuff sitting around? Yeah. Um, so on that note, um, this, we had a fun conversation this morning around. Okay. So I came into the shop. I ha I made some modifications to a part that's already in production and I wanted to get it through to paint as fast as possible. Cause they're just prototypes, right? We're just testing them, make sure they work. So I expedited them through the system, which meant I took them out of the mill. They got degreased, um, rinsed, dried, and then right out of the oven, I picked them up out of the oven and I immediately dumped them into the sandblaster. Typically they would then go onto a table where they get counted out into bins. A Kanban gets put on them. Mm. And then they go into inventory, uh, into our buffer. Yeah. And then we pull them. So I just eliminated all those steps of like putting it down on the table, counting it out, finding the Kanban, putting it with the, you know, the right number in a bin, putting that bin in its correct spot, whatever, all yeah. that stuff by just picking it up once and dumping it right into the next machine. And I was like, Hmm, <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So here's what, I, and, and this is a, just another feather in the cap of safety stock. I have to say is yeah. I think the answer is we, every time we pick stuff up out of the oven, it should get dumped into the sandblaster mm. to achieve that. Well, so there's a few elements here. So the fun conversation was, I mentioned this to our team and we were sort of talking it over and the, the 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 thought was raised that uh this would make it much harder yep. because if anything went wrong um on the cnc mill if we were machining the stuff that we're going to paint tomorrow every day if anything goes wrong you're not painting tomorrow right yeah. big cascading effect yep and so the funny thing is that is the goal here we are trying to make this system break right yeah, yeah. and so i think like that's um yeah, like, like we are pursuing making changes slowly to get our system, to push our system to failure while driving it to drive out waste to see what breaks, yeah. you know. And, and so that was kind of interesting is like, I feel like another cultural thing is like we're all brought up to avoid failure. Yeah. And so it's very weird to build an organization that is actively, anytime things are not failing, there is sort of a red flag of like, why aren't things failing? Yeah. We're not pushing hard enough. Um, Did we bring up the like thousand and on pull example in Toyota Kata last uh, week? No, I don't think so. It's just like this mindset change, which I also brought up to the, to the crew as like, yeah. a, this is what we're going for. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh God. The example being a, um, assembly, a Toyota assembly line, where their average was a thousand and on poles per shift. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. How many people is that across though? I have no idea. Okay. It's a big number no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious what that is per person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the number had dropped to like around 750. Okay. And the author was basically like in most, uh, organizations, right. this would be a cause for like a celebration yeah, pizza party. Exactly. <laughs> Instead, the you know whatever higher level manager got everybody together and was like 
either you all are hiding problems, which you need to not do, or we actually have really tackled some stuff and gotten our system to a point where we have 750. That's our, that's our real number. Yeah. So we need to reduce safety stock and bring it back up to a thousand. Wow. Or reduce buffers or whatever. That's awesome. Right. And and that's like a, like a, whoa, for pretty much everybody to be like, you're trying to make this. Well, that's the thing is it was like, I I just had to say like, no, no, that is the goal. Right. Stuff will break. And then we're going to be behind the eight ball and we're going to have to solve it. But also we're going to make a note of what happened. Yeah. We're going to do an A3 and figure out why it happened. Like really the root cause. Yeah. And we're going to try to make sure it can't happen again. Yeah. And if we're doing that and our competitors aren't, that is, we will win. So (laughs) that's the goal. Um, It's a trip. It is. Yeah. It's a big shift to go like, no, no, we are trying to fail. And if you are not failing, you're not doing your job well, because I think everyone's trying to sort of fly under the radar. Don't make people unhappy. Don't produce failures. And it's a big culture shift. Yeah. And I think it's important to, also drive home that the failures need to be manageable failures <laughs> yes exactly yes just fail a little bit yeah they ideally. can't be catastrophic failures you need right. to have your system built to the and you need to be implementing systems that create lots of small failures for you to yeah test and and and, and uh tackle not like right catastrophic business ending failures yeah if you go below zero it's always a problem Zero in your failures. bank account. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you anger your customers, that's also a problem. That's true. Right. Yeah. Um, which is one of the big features of Kanban is that the goal is to be able to slowly crank that knob down, bring yeah. that water level down, show yeah. those rocks. Problems are... Jewels. Jewels. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, one last topic topic I had was, uh, so we hired another person. I mentioned that last week. That is awesome. And thick and fast, very illuminating to have a fresh set of eyes in the shop and not somebody that you're like, Hey, look at how cool we do stuff. But someone being like, where's the thing? And you're like, Hmm, this Hmm. looks really bad in this drawer. Doesn't it? That's awesome. This is, uh, you, you know, and I'm not embarrassed by our systems and I think we've come a long way and we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And still there was this moment of being like, yeah, our drill organization. Ugh. Right. And like, it's like deep institutional knowledge is the only way you can actually use it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And like, Oh yeah, we do need a system to identify which screws we use for soft jaws versus the hard Uh jaws and where those are. Right. And luckily we do have processes in place for, quickly creating those notes that's awesome uh in your software or there's notes like physical signage in software and we have to do i think a little bit better job to streamline the creation of physical organization yeah systems yeah but those are also sort of more complicated often like Mm -hmm. Yep. Like in the drill example. Well, that's an interesting thing to flag. Maybe that would be a great meta improvement is improving how that signage gets made and have like options that typically work for like 95% of cases or something. Sure. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking like, I'm like, yeah, we need to reorganize the drills. That means reorganizing like three quarters of this tool cabinet to make room for more drills. (laughs) You know, it it starts to be a large, they're cascading, I guess, problems. Not in all cases, but in some cases. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point of that 
was having people really <laughs> dig into your systems and having people ask hard questions seems extremely valuable. And I think figuring out a way to make that happen more often is, would be helpful. Um, yeah. So, so you called me, I think just after this Yes. and said, let's audit each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. And want to do a bit more research on how to conduct those audits and like what, per, what, what work product we end up with that mm. is useful Actionable. and not overwhelming. Yep. I think. Right, like we already have lists miles long. Lists on lists, yeah. It might be a helpful thing for identifying, uh, like in in a theory of constraints sort of terminology, identifying the important things and not just the things that we find annoying or flag. Yeah. Or, or things that sort of like we bump into every day. Right. But right. Might, might not actually be like root cause issues yeah Mm -hmm. yeah anyhow uh, it was it's it's been very cool to have that is very cool similarly we well you may have received an email in the last hour um (laughs) hopefully it's better formatted than our last email (laughs) i think we're basically ready to start ordering through this new system so cool um which i think is going to be huge makes me Um, jealous yeah well you know here i'll if i can help you get on board um yeah yeah, so we'll we'll see. Um, but what I was going to say is similar to what you've been experiencing. I think is handing off the ordering because uh-huh. Sam has basically programmed the whole thing, um, which is funny because he has no programming experience. <laughs> but I don't know. Now so, he does. Now he does. <laughs> um, so in handing that off, it was very clear how much information is not on our kanbans, and uh-huh. I was kind of like, every question you ask me is basically a row in that like a column in that yeah spreadsheet because that is clearly information like how many do we order from of of these what is the you know what who do we send an email to who's our point of contact yeah when it gets delivered where does it go in the shop Uh um like there's so much and it's so easy to not have it and and then the biggest issue is the easiest solution is to tell him how to do it yeah and that is institutional knowledge, <laughs> which is bad. Um, yeah, rather than just like explicit, it's on the card, you know. And again, taking this a bit at a time, when I saw what was on Toyota's Kanbans, I was very overwhelmed and didn't do it because uh-huh. it was just too much for me. Where did you see that? In the Toyota way? In No, in uh, the Toyota production system, mm. he just has a, a picture of one of their Kanbans. And it's like, here's exactly when it's delivered. Here's the box it's delivered in. Here's like everything about it. Uh-huh. And I was just like, that is so overwhelming to create. To And, and it's fundamentally based on a, a lot of organization that we did not have and probably still don't have. Yeah. Right. We're not keeping an hour of production on the side of the line. Um, anyway, right. uh, it was definitely not that. Um, do you understand? Um, uh, sorry, just to finish out the thought. Yeah, yeah, um, so just taking it a little piece at a time, like we add the information that we actually need. And every time we reorganize parts of the shop, we um, find more information that is related and we have put it up on there. Yeah. And in the interest of continuous improvement, one of the reasons we switched to a digital 
way of making these physical Kanbans is so that we can make those updates more easily. Yeah. So we can just go in, quickly change one number from like a batch of 32 down to a batch of 24 and print off five Kanbans. Whereas you look at it and you're like, to do that all by marker, the more information we add, like this is crazy, right? Yeah. So that was sort of the goal there. Um, one of the goals of going digital was to make our our lowering of the water level more convenient. Sure. Anyway, yeah. what were you saying? Um, well, we should probably well, we wrap up here should. in a second. But um, do you understand how like the sign Kanban versus card Kanban system works? Not at all. Yeah, me neither. Slash, I am learning something right now. What is a sign Kanban? I don't know. That's oh, why I'm okay. asking. I, but I, it's a thing. It's a thing. Well, so doesn't Kanban just mean like notice or something or like... <sighs> trigger or something i guess we could google it but i'm gonna google it i wonder if those are interchange like we are meaning something with the word kanban but it might be no i've I've read direct reference to like this type of kanban versus this type versus this type fascinating Um, i know there's like delivery versus production right um anyway yeah i think i think the cool thing that i've experienced over and over is just you learn enough to get your toe, your, you know, to get to to burn yourself. No, you learn enough to like dip a toe in, and then once you're ready to learn more, there's a lot more to learn, and then you're like, oh, we are having this problem. Turns out they also had this problem and solved it. They being Toyota, and so then yeah, you kind of pull what they've used. Um, okay, I'm reading directly translates to visual card. Okay, um, the impression I got is that maybe there are systems like on assembly lines where they will have. And I just I looked up a picture here, mm-hmm. um, like a big signboard, like a big uh, display board that will tell when they need certain things. And I think it might just like go red green. Okay, that's like okay, it went green. Bring the stuff. Now it's red. Don't bring stuff. Okay, I'm not exactly sure. Yep. Um, Interesting. But yeah, I do think it's there's the Kanban that we know and use with no cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think there's definitely other ways that is implemented yeah there's also the con bin right which is a nice little thing which uh-huh. is just like the traveling of a bin can trigger production mm-hmm. um, instead of a card and a bin just make it all one basically yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. takes up more space it, uh, well but if you it have has its bin place anyway. for sure like i'm just saying like there's reasons to not do that sure and there's reasons to do it yeah absolutely uh so um, much, so much to know so much to know. I have one quick last thing, and I'll push the rest to next week. Um, Shiji Shingo in SMED was talking about a changeover where they machined custom bolts mm-hmm. so that they had they had two size bolts, like two thread sizes. Yeah. The bigger one had a bigger head on it. Sure. So they machined small bolts with big heads yep. so that you can use one wrench across all the bolts. Mm-hmm. Love um, it. Definitely awesome. Also weird weird to hold the idea of this big picture thinking with such minute detail in your head at the same time but also interesting to see what it takes to push to get a 500% reduction in lead time yeah and just like no it is about the small things right yes think about the process but also the small things all at the same time Um, and then also I think it is a great example of um, of a cheap of a low tech solution to something you could come up with very complicated approaches for right Mm. you could also go like 
okay, well, let's remachine the whole thing so that it uses a standard bolt size, or let's use yeah. an electromagnets or, or hydraulic we'll make a special clamping. driver that expands and contracts. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there's ways to complicate this, and that I think is sort of very, uh, yeah, shows you the level of detail being considered, yep. but also shows you like simple things. I, I talked about this, but like a, a molding machine that had like people would regulate the yeah, temperature yeah. by feel and then they just like added a big arrow to the valve that controlled the water flow and then incremented a yeah. big board next to it and so that was it and i was like that is very simple very effective very awesome yeah set down adjust one last thing on the oh, last last thing last yeah. last thing it's directly in re- directly related straight out of toyota kata that i was reading last night was like the difference in in mindset and thinking between folks who practice Toyota Kata on the daily basis uh-huh. and their emphasis on understanding the current situation. Okay. And that like, we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about solutions mm-hmm. and postulating. Mm, yeah. And they apparently it's more like they spend a lot of time understanding the current situation until the solution is obvious. I have experienced that, but hearing you say that, I yes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And there was an interesting. And saves a lot of money and time overall, even though you're yeah. literally standing staring at a thing, which does not feel productive. Yeah, he was reflecting on like early trips to Japan, where he'd be meeting with all of these folks, and they'd be like, "What have you been working on?" And he'd be like, "Oh, well, we reduced this setup to this amount, and, yeah. and then we did this, and we reduced it to this amount." And they would be like, "Huh, cool." And years later, realizing like they were just speaking completely different languages, like what they wanted to know was like, what was the situation and what did you learn? And right. not like, what did you, and like, did you achieve your car- target condition? And what did that look like? Not just like, did you do a 70% cycle time reduction? Yes, that is a That's much nicer description of this problem we've talked about on social media where people post the solutions, right? People post it's new machine day and that gets like whatever a thousand likes and that's the big post and it celebrates really the wrong thing Mm -hmm. not that i don't use that because that's what grabs people's attention but it's worth noting that what gets measured and celebrated is really off (laughs) yeah that is not exactly a hot take but on that note (laughs) thanks all for listening uh, check out our Patreon. The link is in the description. Thanks all for all the supporters who have gone on there. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Um, I am Uriel Eisen and of Austere Manufacturing. Um, you can find us on the web at austeremfg.com and on Instagram at austere underscore manufacturing. I'm Devin Bedoni of Lichen Precision. You can find me on the web at lichenprecision.com on Instagram at lichen underscore MFG. And we will talk to you very shortly.